Let's pray together. Lord, we um, thank you for the many, um, the many ways that you provided for us and saw us through last year, Lord. Um, and we thank you for the dawn of this new year, year, God. We thank you for the sun shining this morning. We pray, Lord, this morning that you would remind us that you are still God, that you are still a God of love who fights for us, who is passionate about knowing us more so that we may know you more. And Lord, we um, just ask this morning that you would fill us with your love and spirit as we talk about prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. So New Year's are good times to set some new habits, and I don't necessarily do that on a religious basis for myself. I think I try to set some new good habits, but I don't make New Year's resolutions like many people do. Um, but there's a lot to pray about all the time. You know, it's not just a New Year's thing, right? And it's not just a Sunday thing. And so we're talking about prayer. So yesterday there were a few different things you, you could have been praying for. Uh, one was the Iowa Hawkeyes. And um, as most of you know, I lived in Kentucky for about two years before moving back and coming here to Emmanuel. And I guess they did a better job down there um, praying for their football team. Uh, so you, you maybe also could have prayed for the Cyclones basketball team a little bit more yesterday, too. Uh, the Baylor fans must have been for, you know, that's not exactly how it works. You know that. On a more personal note, you can pray for the squirrel that was in our garage. Allison um, came to me last night and said, did you see the wiring in the garage? And I walked out, and I don't have a picture for it up here, but um, all of the wiring right next to the light switch has been chewed up by a squirrel now. And there's a pile of, like, uh, insulation and stuff down, and he's just one of those things. If I would have met that squirrel in the garage last night as I had killed the power and was out in the cold wrapping it up with electrical tape, that squirrel would have needed your prayers as well. <laughs> I think it's out, but we'll see. So anyway, lightheartedly, yes, those are some things you could pray for, I guess. Um, but prayer is much bigger than that. There are a lot of people going into this new year that are uncertain what it's going to bring, right? There are people that don't know if they're still going to have jobs or vocations because of COVID, because of different things stemming from that. There's people that don't know if their loved ones who are sick are going to make it another year. There's a lot of different things that God wants us to engage in in prayer. And so we're going to talk about prayer uh, to kind of start the new year here. So there's no, be there's no better time to pray than right now. And right now. And right now. You see the point? There's not really a bad time to pray, is there? Even while I'm preaching, if you want to stop and pray, that's great. Um, all of these times are great times to pray. If we have breath in our lungs, guess what? God's going to hear our prayers. And he invites us into this constant communication, this relationship with him. So what is prayer? Um, if you're here in church, this, this, I don't know if it's anyone's first time. You've prayed in church before. Um, Hopefully you've joined in echoing the prayers that you hear up front in your hearts and in your minds as we pray each week together as the body of Christ. Uh, but prayer is like fundamentally, it's our conversation with God, right? And when believers intentionally praise and make requests of God, and when we actively listen and look for God's response and work in our lives. So prayer is this awesome relationship that every follower of Jesus has access to and is invited to be a part of. 
Now, prayer starts in private in many different ways. I don't think it's meant to stay in private, but it starts in private, in the stillness of our hearts, right? Because Jesus says in Matthew 6, 5 through 8, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, Jesus is speaking towards a very popular, unhealthy example that was being modeled for his disciples on how to pray. There's this unhealthy trend in his day that those who wanted to appear holy, especially the religious leaders of the time, would have their prayers in public and make a big spectacle and show out of it. And Jesus is saying this isn't exactly the point, right? These people are coming in with ulterior motives and they want to be seen and praised for their actions. That's not what prayer is about. But Jesus doesn't speak against praying in public and he doesn't speak against praying with other believers either. Um, in fact, he prays in public quite a bit, doesn't he? Public prayer and prayer with others, I believe, is meant to be an overflow of the time that we are spending privately with the Lord in prayer as well. Free of ulterior motives. We don't pray when we are around others to appear righteous or holy, but we only have a desire to earnestly pray together as God's people and for others. We want to enter into this conversation with God, not just by ourselves, but also with others, which is why prayer is part of our worship gatherings. It's part of our meals together here and hopefully in your houses as well. And prayer is part of small group gatherings and Bible studies. Like there, There's some really good times to pray together as the body of Christ. But typically what we verbalize in those times should be an overflow of what is happening in our private prayer time as well. So prayer privately and with other believers is often a time where God can put words in our mouth. He can fill us with his spirit. He can lead us to pray for certain things. And then we can be in agreement with what other people bring when they pray, uh, when we gather together as well. So Jesus is praying all over the Gospels. Um, and at times he's also fasting and praying too, the idea that we would give up something tangible like food so that we might increase our time in prayer and our dependence upon God to sustain us. Uh, just a show of hands, how many of you have ever done some sort of fasting along with prayer? A handful of you? Yeah, about half of you. Um, it, it's, it's a, you can fast from different things. Um, Typically, people fast from food, maybe for a meal or for a day. Um, one church I have friends at up in Milwaukee, they're entering into a 21-day fast and prayer to pray for some specific things for the world and their community. Um, but fasting, whether it's giving up food or giving up something else so that you have more time to devote to God and you're relying on God to sustain you in a way that we typically rely on things of the world to sustain us. So Jesus is praying a lot. And he's fasting. And going back to one of my previous points, if prayer was only a private thing, how would we have all these prayers of Jesus recorded, right? There were people there listening and watching because that's what the rabbi, the teacher, was doing, modeling a healthy way to pray and communicate with the Father in heaven 
in a way that they could see and understand and then follow and implement in their own lives. That was the point of the disciples, having a rabbi and a teacher. So here I have a list of all of the prayers mentioned in the Gospels. If some of you follow my Facebook posts, I, I do have an appendix on this sermon, and um, I'm not going to preach the appendix or anything. This is just for my own reference. Um, there are 23 specific, unique prayers mentioned in the Gospels, um, and that's the abridged version. So the synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Some of those Gospels, they draw from similar material, or they account some of the same stories or, or prayers of Jesus. So the unabridged version would say there's 38 different times that Jesus is praying specifically and obviously in the Gospels in the New Testament. So in this list here, we have uh, Jesus praying right at his baptism, and we have um, praying before and after healing people. We have him praying all night before choosing his 12 disciples. We have him uh, praying while even speaking to the Jewish leaders of the time, giving thanks before feeding the 5,000. Uh, he prays before he walks on water. He prays um, before, he, before Peter calls him the Christ. Uh, he prays at the transfiguration on the mountain. Uh, before teaching his disciples the Lord's Prayer that we just read, he's praying. Um, he also prays in the garden before his betrayal. He prays at the Lord's Supper with his disciples. He prays from the cross, even in the face of death. Prayer's a pretty big, obvious part of Jesus' life. So to summarize some of the things I put on the screen there, some of the things that Jesus prays for, Lots of thanksgiving, that's important. Um, that's why the Lord's Prayer starts with thanksgiving. He prays for himself that God would sustain him, even in the midst of some very difficult trials, more than we've ever faced. Carrying the sin of the whole world is something that we are never going to be asked to do because Jesus did it. Imagine what that could be like. He prays for his disciples, that God would keep them and guide them in the faith. He prays for future believers in John 17. He prays for God's plans and kingdom to come, for those who are sick or in need of healing. He prays for the dead to be raised. He prays for children. He prays for those killing him on the cross. He asks God to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And he even prays a lament from the cross when he feels this isolation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These are all concrete ways that Jesus prays and does not just do so for his benefit. He's modeling what prayer should look like for his disciples too. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're, you're in that group. Jesus is modeling what prayer can and maybe should look like for us in the church as well. So prayer is possibly the most foundational element of following Jesus, of discipleship. If we're followers of Jesus, we're disciples of Jesus, and there may not be one habit or, or holy discipline that we want to practice more than prayer. It's kind of like a building block. It's a foundation for all other parts of our lives to be stacked on. Our mission statement here at Emmanuel says that we want to build strong relationships in Christ. And let me tell you that there's no strong relationship in Christ without a strong prayer life in private and as the church together. In my life, those that I considered my strongest relationships, my closest friends, my mentors, my brothers and sisters in Christ, those are the ones that I've prayed with and for. 
and that have prayed for me too. Any discipleship movement, any small group movement, any church initiative that we ever want to engage in here at Emmanuel Lutheran Church or the church abroad, any of those things that's lacking in prayer is probably going to be lacking in potential. Because this is so foundational, seeking God's wisdom and voice and God's intervention and his power, seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's so foundational to the Christian life. And this is why we have this incredible invitation from the Holy Spirit to pray continually, to pray without ceasing, as Paul writes, and to grow in this area. And what better way to start off a new year than making an emphasis on prayer in our lives and growing in our discipline of prayer, our holy habit. So we want to do that in private, right? But we also want to do it together because there's power when the body of Christ comes together where two or three are gathered, there I am with them. Jesus promises that. Doesn't mean he's not with you in private, but it means there's something even bigger than our private prayers when we come together. So, as Pastor Kurt mentioned, um, I'm going to dig into this a little bit more. The LCMC, this is the 10th year now, they've done three days of prayer. And the reason for this is to get the 900 plus churches across the globe in our association on the same page because we do actually believe that God is going to move in big ways when the church gathers to pray. And so I'm going to walk through each of these things uh, because I think this is a really good emphasis for your week. This is a really good thing that you can focus on starting on January 4th, 5th, and 6th. So the first day is to pray for your congregations and leaders. Yes, pray for me. <laughs> right, pray for the squirrel and for me. Okay, the church leaders, myself, Pastor Kurt, Allison, our, our council members, there's a lot of people here that do a lot of different things. We absolutely need your prayers and support in that way. There's a lot to think about and plan for. It's been a really tumultuous uh, year and a half behind us, and we hope this year doesn't have to be that way, but we have to be prepared if it is. Um, so there's a lot going on, and there's a lot to think about. And we also want to pray not just for our own congregation and our own leaders. We want to pray for those in our community too, right? We're not the only church in Roland Story School District. Um, there's a handful of others, and we want God to move through them, too. We want this little pocket of our state of Iowa to be transformed by the gospel. And if that's going to happen, it's going to be, be because the Christians here are proclaiming the gospel and helping to become the transformation that we want to see. So pray for our other congregations in our area as well. And then we want to pray for our congregation and leaders across the world, because the kingdom of God isn't just here, too, Right? It's all over the place. So that's day one. Pray for our congregation and leaders. Um, side note, there's a bunch of these printed out on the little table back outside the church in the narthex. Uh, so part of your challenge today is going to be to take one of these with you if you haven't already grabbed one. So that's day one. Day two, pray for those who don't yet know Jesus and for the prodigals that have wandered far away. There's a lot of people that don't know Jesus, even in our communities, Right? Even here in Story City, if you were to add up the church attendance for all the churches in our ministerial in Roland and Story City, you'd find maybe 10 to 15% of our residents are actually in a Sunday morning worship service on any given Sunday. Um, and this is a rural Christian community, right? That's how we would have described ourselves 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. 
And some people go to Ames, but it's not like there's 2,000 people driving to Ames every Sunday to go to church, right? So there are people in our communities who don't know Jesus or who have wandered away from the church. So let's start by praying for some of those people in our lives that we work with, that we talk to, that we buy gas from. They're all over the place. God wants us to show them love and build relationships and proclaim the love of Jesus Christ there too. So there's room to grow, even in our communities. And then I think there's also a lot of people that we indirectly impact through our mission partners who do give the gospel to many people who don't yet know Jesus or those who have wandered away. Um, So we aren't, as Emmanuel Lutheran Church, we aren't equipped to spread the kingdom in every single way that other ministries are. We can't do everything. God has not called us to do everything across this globe, right? So we support many ministries who are equipped in different ways. Uh, One of these, for example, is Riverside Lutheran Bible Camp. Um, There's an author, his name is Shane Pruitt, and he did some research and found that 77% of Christians today, at least in our country, gave their life to Christ prior to the age of 18. 77%. And 95% gave their life to Christ prior to the age of 30. Meaning that the life trajectories that are set in youth have an incredible impact on the rest of our lives and the lives of our kids and our grandkids. Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it couple thousand year old wisdom there for you that speaks to this, right? So Riverside is tooled and set up in a way that they are able to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ to people that we can't, on a scale that we can't, and particularly with the youth. This is why I'm passionate about youth and youth ministry. Um, There's a lot of really good work to be done to change the trajectories of the lives of those youth. And so um, part of this prayer, part of praying for those who don't yet know Jesus is praying and and supporting our mission partners who are tooled to be on the front lines of that, particularly with the youth. So, locally we can do that, and then obviously there are those across the globe, and we have some other mission partners we'll talk about in a minute, um, who need the love, like, the the need for Jesus is everywhere, right? (laughs) The need for Jesus is across the globe, And there are many, many who are engaging with that need, and we want to pray for them too. So um, going into day three, day three is to pray for our international partners and connections. And that can be LCMC connections, great, but we also at Emmanuel have a fair amount of international connections as well, one of which is here this morning. And so next week at our annual meeting, uh, in there is printed an entire list of all the missionaries and mission organizations and ministries that we support by passing on what is given to Emmanuel uh, and sending something like 12 to 14% back out the door to these other organizations. So our, our international missions that we support, um, we support World Mission Prayer League, we support um, World Mission Prayer League missionaries, uh, we support Chosen People Ministries, Good News for Israel, where I think we're going to have somebody from them here in a couple weeks. Uh, we support Lutheran Bible translators through Carl and Kelsey Grolke, translating the Bible into languages that it's never been in before so that tribes can hear the gospel in their own language, with their own dialect and nuances. Uh, we support the world team, and we support world hunger, and we support mission opportunities. 
Um, and there's others that we support indirectly through some of the organizations. There's just a handful right there. So on day three, we want to be praying for these specific organizations and missionaries and people that we have connections with. We want to support them financially, yes, but we, more than that, more valuable than that is our prayers, that God would continue to provide for them, to spiritually uh, fill them up and meet their needs in any way that they have, even if we don't know and see that need. And this is true with a lot of the connections in the LCMC and the church abroad. This isn't just about the LCMC. Many of our international partners and ministries have suffered greatly this past year from the effects of COVID uh, and the pandemic and the floods, political upheavals, uh, wildfires, and more. Like, there's no short of devastating things happening on this planet. And it affects our mission partners as well. So we want to pray for God's protection and provision for our brothers and sisters across the globe who are entering into this kingdom work. We want to pray for God's guidance and how he would have us continue to support them in the future, intentionally through prayer time and resources in this coming year. We want to pray for God's provision of food and medicine and clean water and safety, because uh, those are very real needs in many places of this world as well. And we want to pray for the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to fill our mission partners and our missionaries afresh with the love of Christ and grant them favors. They continue to witness to the gospel uh, to the ends of the earth. So that's a summary of the three days of prayer. And um, my challenge to you th this week is very simple. Pray more. <laughs> pray more. Add a few minutes here. Add a few minutes there. There's no bad time to do it. Let's not just talk about being a prayerful church, and let's not assume that we're a prayerful church. Let's be a prayerful church. Let's live it out. Let's act on it. And it is really simply a decision. If prayer is going to be a bigger part of your life, you can decide to make it a bigger part of your life. And then make a few tweaks, and it will continue and grow in that area. So this isn't rocket science. It's a simple decision to make prayer a bigger part of your lives in Christ. So part of the challenge is to take home this three days of prayer. Let, let's, as a congregation, join in what 900-plus other congregations are doing across the globe, and many more congregations and denominations that have set aside prayer time at the beginning of the year. Pin it up somewhere, put it on your uh, refrigerator, um, put it on the mirror in the bathroom, wherever you're going to need to see it to be reminded to pray for these things each of these three days. So, and then find a way to pray with others this week and in the future. Um, don't keep all of your prayers private. There's a huge benefit in praying with your family, with your spouse, with your friends, with your neighbors, with other Christians in your workplace. I think we have an opportunity and an invitation to start this year on the right foot, on a godly foot in prayer, trusting in our Lord and Savior that he hears and that he answers according to his wonderful grace. One of the most beautiful things about prayer, sometimes God calls us to be part of the answer to that prayer, right? So go into this prayer willing, willing to be used by God as part of the answer. But the other beautiful thing about prayer is sometimes God's got it all taken care of. It's not upon us to move the mountains of this world. God has promised to do that. And there's a great mountain-moving power to be accessed in prayer as the body of Christ. So there's my challenge to you today. Let's pray. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, we love you. And today, Lord, we, um, we recognize the tremendous need for prayer in our lives. Lord, we, we want you to increase. We want our sinful nature to decrease. And Lord, we want to be moved in this direction and empowered and excited to have our lives be more full of prayer, Lord. Trusting, Lord, that you're going to come through and you're going to answer prayers and that you are working behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and all around this planet for the sake of those who love you and for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray today um, that you would um, put those reminders in our minds and in our hearts throughout this next week, Lord, that we would gather as a church, whether in the same room or many different rooms, Lord, that we would gather and lift up your gospel, that we would gather and share our needs and the desires of our hearts with you, Lord, that we would pray for those who do not yet know Christ, that we would pray for our ministry partners, that we would pray for our churches and our congregational leaders, Lord. Lord, you are good. This is a huge invitation that you're setting in front of us, Lord. I pray that we would taste and see that you are good and that your invitations are good and pleasing. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.